This week, we go on a bit of a cinematic world tour. We hang out in the Australian outback, spend some time in the Imperial Era, oh, in Imperial Era India, and after a brief detour to the other place called Oz, we land on the most exotic and far-flung location of all, the Isle of Wight. Welcome to They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. My name is Tosin and you are listening to Sunshine Radio at St. Mary's Hospital on the Isle of Wight. I, along with my able-bodied and sharp-minded colleagues, Sean. Hello there. Joe. Hello! Sorry, I meant Joe! Hiya! Joe! Oh my god, Joe! <laughs> did you miss me? <laughs> hey, we did. You were gone? Joe! Hey. <laughs> and Sharon. Yeah, alright. we will be your guides through the next hour of unabashed rather indulgent movie nostalgia (laughs) so uh, traveling back to the pre-1980s era that's before I came into the world and the film world consequently went to pot and yes I am suggesting those two things are related also, um, also with us this week is Mavis Blanche, a patient in the a patient in the Alveston ward. Hello, Alveston. It's official. We've adopted them. They are now our pet ward on this show. So Hello, Alveston. Remember oh, that? Yeah. Alveston ward. Alveston. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Mavis has just had a hip replaced, and she was kind enough to share her first ever cinema experience with us. So, guys, actually, out of curiosity, what was your first ever ex- cinema experience? I'll start with you, Sharon. I think it was probably Star Wars, the original. Ooh. I had two older brothers, so um, they chose, and I went tagged along. I remember fidgeting through most of it, and I think I probably went to the toilet about four times. But I did watch it, and I was like, ooh, wonderful. So, yeah. She said that as if we're supposed to congratulate you. Well done. You got through Star Wars, Sharon. Sorry about that. Well, I was some like eight at the time when it first came out, so I probably wasn't the, the, you know, the ideal audience for it. But I, I, I grew to love it. No, it doesn't okay. sound convincing. Okay, how about you, Joe? What was it? I really can't remember. I think it could have been. It was almost certainly a Disney film. It All might right. have been the Jungle Book because I know that was re-released, and there was there was a few that came back out. It was almost certainly Disney. All right, um, and it was obviously uh, made an impression. Okay, cool, Sean. <laughs> and me, I'm going back a bit further. I was on um, the one I remember is was it the I'll, train coming into the I'll station? Was, was yeah. that the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. The silent era. No, um, I've I mentioned this film before, and I, actually, it was on TV recently. But the one I really remember was was the Warlord Charlton Heston film. Oh yeah, um, that one. I, I know we've mentioned it before, but apparently, one of the stories that that we get every Christmas is, I went to pictures one day, and and the support film was a film called The Legend of Lobo, and um, apparently. Lobo's mother got shot, and all it was was I would scream the cinema down, going, "They've shot son!" It was like the whole. That's that's what my dad always remembers. But uh, no, the Warlord, Padstow Cornwall. I think I broke my tooth on a on one of those sto- pebble stones. You know, like the sweet pebbles. I think that's that. But anyway, great film. So if anyone finds a, a tooth on the floor, it'll yeah, be, yeah, be yeah. yours. That would be yours. Yeah. Oh, See, sorry. I don't remember going to the pictures at all with my parents. I always went with my older brothers. It's mm. all yeah, always two older brothers. So. Yeah, I saw the black hole. I saw anything black science fiction. See now, Joe, Joe, All the black hole, I the saw. Disney film was oh, like he doesn't like that. But I, I am the biggest sci-fi fan <laughs> in the world. But oh, I'm sorry, I sat through that. You've got, you got times, a robot that limps. What's not to love? Yeah, Paul Vincent. Oh, I'm sorry. And then what got... was the name of the bad robot? Maximilian was it? Maximilian. Maximilian. Yeah. yeah, he's like hard. You know. I just sat yeah. there going, "There's no point doing this." Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Right, cool. Well, thanks, guys. And I am still here as well. <laughs> okay, we will get out to Mavis and Alveston later in the show. Um, but first of all, this is it, it's our choice, where we pick a film that we think is a bona fide Stone Cold classic. And going for us this week is Sean. So, Sean, what have you chosen for us this week? Okay, well, this, this is um, the film. It's called The Lives of the Bengal Answer. Um, Gary Cooper film. Um, Basically, it's a story. I mean, when, when I th think of some of my films, it's all to do with like buddy movies, friends movies, and and this is basically a story. It's in in Afghanistan, obviously colonial times, and basically, the it's three friends. <laughs> I can explain this. The the person who's in charge of the regiment, he's the, the colonel who's in charge of the regiment. His son comes, and his son thinks that his father has invited him out. But he hasn't. He didn't want him to come out. So basically, Gary Cooper and Gary Cooper's mate, they sort of adopt him. They, they sort of take charge and they really care and they worry about him and they, they look after him. And uh, it's just... Uh, it, it, this film's got everything. And I think it was um, nominated for, for Best for Picture. Best Picture. Or, yeah. 1935. And it won, won two, which I think were for assistant directors. Um, and it just... You know... It, lovely action sequences and Gary Cooper was was sort of at his pinnacle this time because um, I think he sort of lost favour as, as years went on um, so it's just a good rip-roaring ripping yarn really um, you know, <laughs> okay old style all right cool to help up with that we've I've got like the audio from the official trailer that was released for the film which gives a little bit of the story as you were saying so if you could just um yeah tell us what happens about this after we listen to this all right the Lives of a Bengal Lancer, starring Gary Cooper in one of his most heroic roles. Colonel knows India, McGregor, you don't. You're right, I don't. I'm just a fool Scotch-Canadian. Came into your outfit to get action. You thought what, Mr. McGregor? That you were going after your son, sir. This incident will not change our plans in any respect. I'd just begun to think I was wrong about you, but I wasn't. You haven't a human bone in your body. There's not a drop of blood in your veins. You're nothing but a... So you'll sit here with your regiment while they kill your son by inches. Well, I won't. I'm going after him, whether you like it or not. Sheldy, Sheldy! Huntabooza! He left me here, didn't he? He knew what they'd do. He wouldn't come after me, not him. That's why. Little bamboo slivers. But when they're driven under the fingernail and lighted, we find them very effective. I shall proceed first, Mr. McGregor. In the great tradition of Gunga Din and Bo Jest, Gary Cooper stars in The Lives of a Bengal Lancer. Right, cool. So, after watching that, I have a couple of questions, but is there anything that you want to pick up from, from that trailer, Sean? Um, okay, yeah. Ba basically, what happens is um, the the young lieutenant gets... Uh, there's there's a femme fatale in it. Not She's not in it much, but sort of lures her away and he gets captured the son gets captured and and that bit in the trailer where gary cooper saying well i'm gonna go after him so they dress up as um as sort of the the afghans and they pretend they're they're traders and they go into the the castle with the bad guy and uh the, the son's already captured and then they get captured too and 
there's an ammunition train which the the baddie wants to know about so he, he tortures them and uh, you know with the fingernails that was with the fingernails and of course so he does gary cooper he does gary cooper's mate and then they get the young one but you don't see him you don't really see that because i suppose in those days yeah. you couldn't show that yeah um that type of thing but of course the sun spills all the beans and he hasn't been tortured and so they basically go still look at me like that but in the end he, he becomes a bit of a hero so oh cool yeah so it's really good what are the questions you wanted to ask then toast okay, well, uh, actually one of them was going to be about that scene because even just hearing the audio of like ah oh, bamboo slivers but when we yeah. put them under the finger i'm just i'm just like cringing like so, uh, <laughs> yeah i can understand why yeah. um i don't I think it's just an adventure film. There's no, there's no real politics in it or anything like that. It's All right, just, yeah. You know, um, so, but yeah, that uh, you know, they sort of look at him and the son said, "Oh, I, you know, I, I, he wouldn't come for me. He wouldn't come for me." So I told them, and then uh, at the very end, with the big scene, his his dad actually does come for him because, oh, yeah? and uh, they manage to break out of the prison. Oh yeah. And then his son becomes a bit of a hero. I'll put spoilers in it because I'm sure you'll see it. Gary Cooper dies. And, um, oh, what? Yeah, sorry about that. But oh. at, the, at the very end, they're all, you know, they get their medals and the and the, the colonel goes to his son and he's like, mm, oh, well done, you know. And well, so like begrudgingly, so yeah. begrudgingly gives him a medal. And with the posthumous uh, medals, they they actually pin them on the horse and they, they actually did that. So they, they, they pin this medal on Gary Cooper's horse. So. Sounds like a party game, doesn't it? It is a bit of a party game. Well, it is. The, I mean, it was very much a party game there. But there's a there's a C. Aubrey Smith plays plays Major Hamilton, and if you see the Jungle Book, the Walt Disney version, I think very much the the elephant. I think it's Captain Horthy or something. Oh yeah, was based yeah, yeah. on this character. I'm pretty sure when the boy, you know, oh, you know, you know, with the um, so an elephant with, never forgets. Yeah, never forgets that, and that's that's very similar in the vein of the things go. You know, okay, everybody. Sounds like Colonel Harthy. Yeah. Colonel Harthy. Is that his name? From Colonel Harthy from Jungle Book. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So it's that. I'm I'm pretty sure that. Uh, that scene in that film was, was something to do with uh, Bengal Lance. Uh, what about the other films that they actually that they compared it to, like you know Gunga Din? Oh, like Gunga Din. Of Gunga Din and... again. Bojest. Bojest, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sure most people have seen Bojest. Have you seen Bojest? I haven't you seen, seen Bojest. French yeah. Foreign Legion film. They don't make many French Foreign Legion films. I love French Foreign Legion films, but this I is. Think, I think the last one was probably A Wall with Jean Claude Van Damme in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. What they was were... the Carry On one? They did a Carry On oh, one, carry didn't they? On with up Phil, the Silver, with yeah, Phil yeah. Silvers. No, the one with Phil Silvers in it. That was not the Kyber, was, was it? it? Was that the one? I'm pretty they sure. They did join the Legion, but I can't remember which one it was. Yeah. Okay, so Benny, you were saying Beaujest. <laughs> oh, yeah, Beaujest. Um, and basically, French Foreign Legion film. Again, Gary Cooper, the hero, but all the Legionnaires have been killed, and he sets up at the end with the fort, he sets up all the dead soldiers, so it looks like there's lots of soldiers. So, so when they're attacked, and he just runs along the, the battlement, sort of picking off the, the, and then of course he gets rescued. But uh, Gunga Din, Ca Carry On in the Legion, 1966. Carry On in the Legion. Oh, well, thank you, Joe. That could have guessed that title. Really, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> didn't take a brain surgeon. But, <laughs> but Gunga Din is more or less exactly the same. But it's that they're like three sergeants. So it's Gary Cooper and Gunga Din is obviously a water carrier based on Kipling. Yeah. Um, I don't think Kipling's very politically correct in some circles, but but I do like Kipling. And it's basically three friends on, a, on an adventure again. So, so very, very similar to film. Um, and 
What's, 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 there's, there's another one that's that's really similar, but I can't remember. But so is is it like so? It seems like it was because I remember when I was a kid, I used to read these comics, and they were like commando comics, commando comics, which yeah. all said during the Second World War. But yeah. they they treated it very much like a sort of boys' own adventure. Boys' own, it's very much. That, yeah, so yeah. it was boys' own adventure. It was like, yeah, we're gonna go do this, and we're gonna, go there. and you, it's very easy. And so it sounds like you're saying that there seems to have been like a tradition of films in the 30s that were kind of like almost very boys' own adventures. He said didn't go into politics, didn't go into like the the, well, I'm about to say the horror. The horror of the it, horror. yeah, yeah. I think it was they were just adventure stories, really. They were just you know, you know and, it, and it was just the settings where where they, they took had a place. lot of desert set things, didn't they? Like the mummy films, and you have a lot of this sort of desert warfare where yeah. you've got this sort of mysterious Arab. I guess that was type cheap. I guess thing. they didn't have to. They could just <laughs> bring in a load of sand and and, and build a mock fort. Just go out to the Arizona anywhere. desert and tell everybody we're in India. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you had the sort of romantic shake type films earlier, didn't you, with Rudolph Valentino? That was a very romantic take on it, and I suppose this was the more manly approach that. It's like we're gonna go around and we're gonna okay. shoot a whole bunch of people with a Gatling gun. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. thrash them up at you natives. Yeah. So, but um, again, they're all. I mean, I guess it's like the Errol Flynn films, isn't it? Charge yeah. of Light Brigade, all yeah. those, you know. And I mean, there's no real historical accuracy, but it's just like oh, an adventure, you know. Some people get in a situation what they need to get out of. Yeah. A few yeah. heroics, big battles. It's just. Mm -hmm. um, Really good stuff. Yeah. Can I just mention something about French Foreign Legion film? Yeah, go ahead. And there's a really, really good French Foreign Legion film which I loved, and it's called March or Die, stars Gene Hackman, and and that's just come to my mind. That is a really, really good French Foreign Legion film. If uh, I'm sure some people would have seen it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I want to mention that. Anyway, any other questions? <laughs> uh, no, I think I think that was it because I think it's quite funny because this was done. The, so obviously this film was made j a couple of years before the. A couple of years before the uh, first world, second world war, second world war, yeah, yeah. A couple of years before, and I think one of the other films we're going to be talking about today was made like sort of like in the aftermath, and I think it's uh, uh, just seen clips of them and everything. I think I think it's it's interesting to see some similarities and some differences in the way the whole topic is broached and all that kind of stuff, like in a in a wartime and all that. But that that's just me. I, I kind of like those sort of things. Um, but thanks, John. Lives of a Bengal Lancer. That's one that I'm still trying to find so I can actually watch the thing. I, I have got the DVD that I can lend you, but it's at my dad's at the moment because he, and the only version I could find was um, a Korean one because it's, it's, <laughs> it's uh, and I, but it's over there at the moment. I did mean to bring it back, but I've left it over there. It's so funny sorry. seeing Gary Cooper talk Korean. I so what, it's actually, is, is the film dubbed in Korean? No, no, it is is English film, but it's got Korean subtitles. <laughs> I assume they're Korean, but Joe yeah, would know when they he's... Are, they, they are, are I've, Korean. I've seen your copy, it's yeah. definitely Korean. Korean. But it's, 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 <laughs> you know, you know, it's one of those films that isn't on very often. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd imagine, yeah. But, I think but a lot what, of those 30s films, you don't get to see them on the television. No, you know, not They're so just now. not... In the lexicon, are they? Anymore, do, really? do you think it's to do with the politics of the time and the way they are now? Well, people I suppose them? there's some sort of... They have this broadly sweeping sort of racial stereotypes, don't they, that they do, we yeah. are uncomfortable with now. But yeah. I think sometimes some films deservedly should be forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> they, can be, they can be quite offensive, the yeah, way they have yeah. actors when they're, where they're sort of made up. And you think, no, that's just wrong. Yeah, yeah, and other yeah. films you think, OK... We should take the politics aside and, and, and what just enjoy as, the story. As an adventure film, yeah. And accept an that people's film. attitudes were different then. Yeah. They say, you know, the past is another country. They did things differently there, don't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah. And you have to accept that, you know, That's we right. can't take our modern sensibilities. It seems, yeah. to, have only, it seems to have had a DVD release in Australia and Korea. 
uh, and not many other places. Mm. Although, uh, oh, one other thing I found out, I think there's actually an, there's an audio version of the s- story starring Errol Flynn in the Gary Cooper role. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that would <laughs> be interesting. Yeah. I was curious, actually, when they said he, he explained it, because I thought, why would Gary Cooper be in the Bengal Lancers? Yeah, but then he said he was a Canadian, so that makes sense. Yeah. So you could oh, yeah. join the yeah. colonial yeah. forces, Canadian. You? There's a, there's a, there's a great clip in the film where um, his mate has got one of those uh, like a sounds like a bagpipe. It's not a bagpipe, one of the, a musical instrument. He's playing it and really really starts to. Gary Cooper gets really fed up with it, and then a, a snake comes along and he keeps playing this thing, and Gary Cooper has a bit of a laugh with him. So that's 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 a there's a few light moments in it as well. Oh, cool. Okay, cool. Thank you very much, Sean. And um, now we go on to something which happens every week when Joe's here. You, you see, you see, you were missed. You were missed last week, Joe. Uh, yeah, yeah. This didn't happen. This didn't happen, did it? Did it? No. This didn't happen. So every week when Joe's here, <laughs> he comes up with a couple of clues as to Hollywood cinematic legend. And we trying to flail around and guess who the who the cinematic legend is before the end of the show so joe would you please give us your first clue okay nice and short clue uh, to kick us off not too much information but something to get you thinking uh this screen legend was knighted uh back in 1989 by queen elizabeth uh the second obviously at the age of 81 Cool. So do a little bit of math. Think about ages. Hmm. Uh, I, uh, 1980. 19- Screen legend was knighted in 1981 by Queen Elizabeth, at the age. Sorry, 89 by Queen Elizabeth at the age of 81. So knighted in 1989, and at the age of 81. Hmm. I have somebody who was he's somebody who everything seemed to work pretty late in life for him but i've got one yeah well we shall see we still have at least three more clues to go before the end of the show yeah it mm. won't be him almost <laughs> 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 certain of it <laughs> so we can keep our powder dry <laughs> we can keep our powder dry for that one all right cool so that's it and if you're playing along uh, in the hospital you can actually play along by either going to our facebook page so if you go to facebook and you just type in um, they don't make them like they used to. By the time you typed in they don't make um, we will show up. And you can put your suggestions on the Facebook wall and just sort of say, oh, I reckon it's this, I reckon it's this guy, and see how it goes. And we'll see whether you can guess it before we do or before we fail. Either way, we shall see. And now we go on to a second pick, um, uh, a second pick. And Mavis, if you're listening, all the people in Alberston, if you're listening, I promise we are coming on to you and there's a reason why you are where you are in the show. But first of all, before we get there, Joe, what is your pick this week for a Stone Cold Bonafide classic? Well, it goes beyond classic into masterpiece territory into one of the most fantastic films Okay, okay, don't, don't build ever. it up too much, man. People are uh, gonna... <laughs> well, people that have seen it will agree. People that haven't... <laughs> I pity them. This film, right, okay, I'm going to list uh, a few films, and if you can get the connection, you might know where we're heading. Um, there's a, a great film called Gallipoli, back from 1981. Uh, there's a fantastic film from the year after called The Year of Living Dangerously. Um, Dead Poet Society from 89, uh, bringing it up to more recent time, with The Truman Show, Master and Commander, and then a film from four or five years ago called The Way Back. Uh, all of these are absolutely class act i really i really feel that this director is an is underrated and he made a really weird bizarre haunting movie um back in 1975 called picnic at hanging rock okay and now right 
I think Sharon and I were just talking about that, and we've decided that's beautiful but haunting. Which is my review of the film. Thank you. Move on to the next one. <laughs> that's it. So, okay, so I think for a lot of what I've heard about this film, it's kind of like that, that the, the music seems to fit the style of the film. And you said it yourself weird. And also, what is Picnic at Hanging Rock all about? Okay, well, my, my ambition is to go to Australia uh, on Valentine's Day and visit a place called Hanging Rock where I believe it is a, an annual tradition that they have an outside screen set up and you can actually watch Picnic at Hanging Rock on Valentine's Day at Hanging Rock. And I would love to do that, and I will do that one day, because this film has affected me so much that you can't get it out of your head. And you can, I think once you've seen it, you will always remember it. Whether it's just a sense of the film or whether it's the story itself, I, I don't know. There isn't really much of a plot. Um, there's a, a school uh, in Australia, a school for girls, called Apple Yard, the Apple Yard School, and it uh, it sets up this trip to a nearby landmark, um, this mystical place which the Aborigines believe has uh, special powers or is, is of special importance, and they set up this school trip there, and they go there for a, a geological, it's a geological um, sort of outcropping nearby, and they go there for a trip. Uh, and on this day trip, um, three of the girls and one of the teachers um, simply disappear. They just simply wandering around these rocks in this uh, in this kind of creepy but beautiful and 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 sort of I don't know what the world it, word is really it's it's difficult to describe because ethereal it, I think that's a good start yeah um, they just disappear one of them is found a week later uh, can remember very very little the others are never found and the idea of the film is that you don't know. You never find out. The point, the whole point is that there is no explanation. There's, there's lots of theories, lots of suggestions. There was even for a very long time um, the belief that it was a true story uh, because it was based on a book, um, which was instantly one of the first things I ever ordered online. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> years and years ago, I actually saw the film and bought the book online because I, I desperately wanted to read it. Um, so there's theories that it, that it was a true story. I think it's been pretty much disproved. I don't think it actually happened. Um, but... The, the theories range from anything to the fact that something some boys from nearby were there and um, were, uh, possibly made off with the girls, killed them. Uh, anything's been suggested, um, just standard murders. UFOs? Um, yeah, UFO is, is certain. There's abduction. There's all kinds of weird things, uh, uh, theories. So people come up with a whole bunch of theories um, that for something that was actually made up by the author. So mm. it seems like the author just liked messing with people. Pretty much. The, the author didn't actually uh, explain it. Uh, it was based on uh, the book from 1967. But the story itself takes place back in 1900. <coughs> so you have this this other world aspect to it. And, and other, other theories even go as far as to suggest that um, they actually were put into a different time. There was like a an aspect of time travel that may have happened. They slipped out of that time period and went to another time period. All kinds of, of crazy um, theories. Okay, so okay, so for what I can see, it's not a feel-good, family-friendly, everybody-go-and-watch-this-thing-on-a-bank-holiday movie. I know. I would say it was a film of haunting mystery with buried sexual hysteria. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so no. So okay, because is the it, this is the kind of thing I try to because it is a very celebrated movie. Yeah. It's very so. What makes it great? Because some films is the oh, it's the family thing. Or oh, some films are just like you know the rollick and ride you go. And we're talking about lives of a Bel Bengal lancer, and it's just like a big boys and adventure, and that's the that's the charm of it. Is is it possible to put your finger on what makes this good? Yeah, it's dreaming whilst actually being awake. 
So it's like a it's like a weird sort of thingy dream. It's it's like watching a dream that you've had and being afforded the opportunity to analyze it, spend two hours being perfectly conscious of the fact that you're dreaming, and then when it finishes, not quite be be sure whether you did watch a film or whether you just just fell asleep for a couple of hours and had the weirdest most haunting dream. And part of the things that add to that, obviously, the soundtrack which we heard, mm-hmm. um, the cinematography, uh, which um, is photographed by Russell Boyd, who is even to this day uh, a cinematic god. Um, the, the Peter Weir, the director, an absolute genius. Um, just so many aspects of the film which which give it this dreamlike quality. The camera's sweeping. Nothing's ever explained. You get the feeling that there's something odd with this girls' school anyway, right from the beginning. It's not odd, but it's strict. It's uncomfortably strict. It's in a different time. There's there's a, a sense that the people there don't necessarily aren't necessarily comfortable with their surroundings. That they're obviously new to Australia. There is um, there is a, a what's the word I'm, I'm looking for? There's a, a a a disconnection between the characters and their location, which which yeah. is which is accentuated by going to this trip. I think about it because you, but I well, I have seen it. Um, a few years ago now though but yeah it is one of those films that does resonate but it is it's that picture of the girls in their white dresses isn't it in that landscape over those rocks and then yeah. not being seen and they're yeah. just they are alien in that landscape and you think how could someone in a white frock just disappear which is the haunting aspect of it because and I think because it doesn't explain itself as a film a lot of the films we see nowadays or most they modern, over explain they just tell you every single full stop comma and in the trailer before you yeah, watch the film yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. and this is just leaves it leaves it completely up to you to you decide yeah. what you think of just you've just seen I mean was there not one time when, when lots and lots of orphans were sent to to Australia I mean round about that time round about the turn of the century there I'm pretty sure a lot of orphans were taken to Australia to be well there I mean I think that's, that's one of the things I actually think that might lend itself is the fact that it's Australia Australia because yeah. Australia is a place that I guess you don't really see that much on on film at least you don't see australia being australia no. that much on film and especially the history of australia you get a lot of british history on film you get a lot of american history on film you don't get much of australian history on film so whenever you have an australian movie that's set like you know early in the century it it does seem a little bit of kilter i remember seeing a film called the proposition a couple of years back yep. and it's like an australian western yes and it's uh nick um, Nick Cave. Yeah, Nick yeah, Cave. Yeah. Nick Cave with um, Guy Pierce, Danny Houston. And you, you're watching it and you kind of think, oh, Ray Winston pops up. Yeah. And, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's, it's kind of, you feel like, okay, it's like a Western, it but it isn't quite. There's something different about it. And there's something, the landscape feels different. There's something almost sort of like fly bitten about it. And I know that there was a film, Rabbit Proof Friend Fence, which is oh, a bit similar it. to that. It's a great film. Love yeah. that film. Uh, what you were saying about, it wasn't Australians, it wasn't orphans being sent to Australia, but it was originally kids being made orphans because they were forcibly taken away from their parents. So. Yeah, to be raised in a Western and world. trying to get back yes. home following yeah. the rabbit. Yeah, following yeah. the rabbit. I yeah. think it's that in all of these films, they've got something in common. It is that you, that you feel that you're an alien in that landscape. Yeah. yeah. They it's never feel like they're about. completely at home, do they? They always feel like they're, it's not their land. You get that feeling, don't you? Whether that's just like colonial guilt, that we sort of interpret <laughs> that. But whether it is just the whole, the fact that it is such a different landscape to Europe, it's different to the rest of the world. It's unique. It is unique. And yeah. it makes you feel like actually the people in there are just don't belong. Same, same with the flora and fauna. I mean, it's unique in any any way, shape or form. I mean, well, there's a lot of focus on that. In, peels, yeah. in Hanging it's Rock. In Hanging Rock. shots yeah. that go on. For, and yeah. I suppose Walkabout Ages. in a similar way, isn't it? Where you've got the oh, yeah. two children who are suddenly <coughs> cast out into this wilderness and they have to be... 
saved by this Aboriginal boy. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, the, yeah, the, the Australian outback or the Australian landscape is just food for the creative mind, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, you can do a whole bunch of stuff with it, but I, I think it's probably the closest thing to an alien world. Like, if you want to... It almost seems like if you want to make the audience feel a bit alienated, set it into Australian outback. Yeah. Because... Throw in a few dingoes and <laughs> a kookaburra. That's not a knife. <laughs> <laughs> That's a spoon. So what's your theory then, Joe? Have you got a theory what you think happened to the girls in at Hanging Rock? My Good theory question. my theory is that um, I don't think I've ever seen a film called Picnic Hanging Rock. I don't think one exists. I think I just fall asleep and have the same wonderful dream um, every now and then. In front of a TV. Yeah, that's that's the highest praise I can offer a film. I, it really is. I, I can't So maybe we shouldn't overthink it. We should just say it is what it is and it, it is a mystery that will forever... For, for me, I don't a have a solution, I, but I do have the lasting image of those of those girls in those dresses, uh, in, in Victorian dresses in this very weird area, disappearing into the rocks and just never being seen again and that's this frozen image yeah. in my mind this, this this really uncomfortable very very nasty feeling that something awful happened almost too awful to comprehend and yet not having a clue what that could possibly be mm. i've got a great quote here i've just found from the director he said we worked very hard at creating a hallucinatory mesmeric rhythm so that you lost awareness of facts you stopped adding things up and you got into this enclosed atmosphere i did everything in my power to hypnotize the audience away from the possibility of solutions is, is there any work, then? well yeah. that, well that's peter Weir for you yeah. it's he's not exactly what you call prolific but he's a quality over quantity kind of guy. He's class. Is, yeah. is there any actresses in that that came on to, to do anything else? The, Anyone the, that you would know, or were they all sort of unknowns? There's um, nobody that I... Uh, the the only name I think I might have recognised is Vivian Grey. Vivian Grey. Vivian Grey. And I know Rachel Roberts is Rachel the Roberts, awesome yeah. Mrs. Appleyard, which I think it's a character that just sticks in your mind, especially her sort of change at the end of the film. She's 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 well, yeah. absolutely a great character. She is a great um, British actress. Um, but apart from that, not really. There is a documentary on the DVD that sort of gets back in touch with some of the cast members. Um, but apart from that, it's not a film that really is known for it. In actors. some way, that adds to that mystery of it, doesn't it? The yeah. fact that they're not familiar faces yeah, and the are. fact that it's not these definitely. big out there, you recognise them and you know that they're all safe. You're left with that hole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't definitely. Know. Just, you're not able to, to ascertain whether that was, like I say, real or not. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, creeps us out. Yeah, just like um, the Oscars playing you off the scene. <laughs> um, and welcome Be back to our one-hour special on Picnic <laughs> at Hanging Rock. Because I think just like the film, we could go on for ages and not be none the wiser. And as we said, we don't think that that's actually the point. The point is you're supposed to just leave it. Leave it and let your brain mull over what it is. So we're going to move on. And Joe, second clue, please. Right, okay, nice and quick. Uh, this screen legend has a style of hat named after him. Hmm. That's interesting. I'm trying to think of a... My first thing that comes to mind now is trying to trying to think of a f actor who was called Pork Pie. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. All right. Eddie, how about you guys? You guys, Eddie, does that make you any, any the wiser? <laughs> no, a hat-wearing knight. Don't know. Very nice. So the sir, the sir something. Yeah. <laughs> I went down to the haberdashery and got myself a sir something something. <laughs> well, that's a good way to start. Did I go down to the shop and buy myself a Cary Grant to wear? <laughs> no, so it's not Cary Grant. Keep going, keep going. The answer will present itself. All right. Okay, cool. We shall carry on with that. 
And now, Mavis, I know you've been waiting patiently and we thank you. Thank you, Mavis. Thank you very much, Mavis. But all will become clear why we've placed you at this point of the show. So, every Friday, I go around the hospital here at St. Mary's and I ask people mainly two questions. What was the first film you ever saw in the cinema? Tell us a story of that and... What is the favorite your favorite film of all time? Today I met Mavis, um, Mavis Blanche in the in Alveston Ward, our pet ward, and uh, this is what she said about her favorite film of all time. My name's Mavis Blanche, and I'm from Cowes on the Isle of Wight. Um, the first time I went to the cinema was with my parents, and we went to see The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> It was a um a Judy Garland and I think yeah with the red shoes on that and it, that film always reminded me of you know the Tin Man and the Cowardly Lion. I really enjoyed that film. I know it's a children's film, but I was a child then, wasn't I? <laughs> Let's see, when my dad came out the forces, he came out the forces in '45, and we went in about '46 or '47. Yeah, because he signed on, you know, through the war sort of thing. But he's dead now, bless his old cotton socks. And because he, he laying in wet grass in that, you know, got three heart attacks. So, yeah. He came to this hospital, but he went, he went to the Fairley one as well. Yeah. Some of them are shut down now. We've only got this big one now on the island, haven't we? Mm, yeah. yeah. It does a good job. The nurses are all so pleasant. You know, I haven't seen a, a miserable one yet. They sort of egg each other on and help each other out. One doesn't know where the bandages are or something. She's new. And the one says, well, I've got them all up there, you know. You can't help but just join in. <laughs> I managed to resist. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was Mavis. Mavis was she was just like a live work. Could speak to her for ages. Had uh, had um uh, had a hip replaced recently and um was full of nothing but praise for all the people on the Alveston ward. So the Alveston guys, if you're listening, you see that? That's another happy NHS customer. I think last a couple of weeks ago, we had Joe talking about how he'd been seen to by the guys in the day surgery unit. Yeah, yeah, they were great. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, so yeah, we've got a couple of happy story, happy, oh, happy St. Mary stories anyway, which is pretty, pretty cool. So guys, Wizard of Oz, we've had this on the show before. I think, I think we actually had Wizard of Oz on the very first show we ever did. Yep, I think I think. Well, I haven't improved. Uh, hasn't got any better since then. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're saying it's not like a fine wine. It doesn't just get better with age. No, it's like an annoying child. It just gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's not. I don't hate it. I don't I, hate it. I don't I, hate I it. I mean, you imagine at the time it must have been like, oh, it must. Uh, at that time when it came out, we're it, talking about films for eras. Yeah, that I mean, technicolor, and it is. Yeah, it's just like it's eye-poppingly bright, isn't it? A lot of the colors in it. Yeah. They're just—they're not real. They're, but they're—they're they're intense and yeah. bonkers. They're, I actually think of them as Munchkin colours in my head now. Yeah, those, <laughs> the Emerald City and the yeah, they just—they just come out, come out of you. Because colours. I mean, I mean, it's not even that. I mean, even just the fact that it was probably one of the first times that you'd seen a tornado on screen. Yeah. And they actually did a pretty convincing tornado effect. I thought for what was it, nineteen. 
What was, what was this for me? Wizard of Oz. Uh, yeah, 30, 38, 38. It was late 30s. 38, yeah. 39, I reckon. Oh, pretty convincing. What? Pretty convincing um, tornado effects for yeah. very, very long. What year? 39, yeah. yeah. 39. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I only remember because it came out. I mean, Adventures of, Ro- <laughs> Adventures of Robin Hood came same out here. in 38. You saw them both the back to back, category. didn't yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Double bill. A double bill, yeah. That's the second feature. age digs up, oh, Sean. That's all right, mate. That's, that's okay. That's cool. You get used to it after a while. After a long while. Yeah, 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 you do indeed. <laughs> but yeah, I'll tell you what, though, on, on about this. Is anyone, uh, I'm sure you have, Joe, because we've spoken about this. Did you go and see Oz the Great and Powerful? Oh, I loved it, yeah. That was, you should, I really enjoyed, enjoyed it. this film. Oz the Great and Powerful is terrific, and it's just how the Wizard of Oz got to get to Oz in the first place. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Really? I, I was yeah, really yeah, impressed. Yeah. I went in expecting rubbish, yeah. and it was very impressive. It was, was impressive. It's... And the, the, there's a character in there called the China Doll. Yeah. Which I can't oh. I can't stop raving about. My heart broke for that little yeah. little computer generated character that was just fragile and yeah. delicate. So 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 Oz has got these characters, and these similar. Yeah. He's got little little monkey little friend. monkey with wings. Yeah, little monkey with wings, and he's got and it's it's how we is, that, is he like the Godfather of all the others or something like that? Mm. Uh, that okay, fine. Okay. Spoilers, no spoilers. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, that's a, that's a newish film, so. It was, it was good and it, it was, started off with the whole black and white in, black in and white, yeah, square yeah, 4 by yeah. 3 yeah. and then it does the whole span into widescreen and yeah. colour yeah, in the well, same way that, uh, that is something that we're going to talk about with uh, with our next film which is why I put this here because the next film does a similar trick but kind of almost yeah. in reverse but um, um, uh, but just that's that switch from going hey black and white is normal world and then oh there's this, this weird crazy eye popping yeah. red shoed nonsense and yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just, it's, yeah, so heightened that you feel like yeah, someone was on some sort of illegal substance. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was just it was just a dream. It was just an innocent, innocent dream. Like, other than Judy Garland. You know? yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 dude, low blow. Oh. <laughs> but I loved I loved Wizard of Oz. I have to say, as a child, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. I don't love it as much now as an adult. I think it's as as Mavis was saying, as a child, you love it mm-hmm. because it is completely unlike anything you've ever seen before, mm-hmm. and you believe in everything you see. Yeah. As you do as your child, you just believe that you believe there are flying mo- monkey monsters, <laughs> and that they're that scarecrows come to life and lions walk get walk about and talk. So you believe all of it, and I think for that it's a wonderful film because it is it sucks you in. Yeah. Anyone with that sort of vivid childlike imagination, it draws you in. Yeah. But I think because as we get older and more jaded, it loses some <laughs> of that shine. <laughs> True. Which is a shame. But we all love the talk stories about the munchkins wreaking havoc. So, yeah, let's embrace that. <laughs> well, yeah, I actually think for some weird reason, the most enduring image of in the film for me is the yellow brick road. It just seems to go yeah. on forever. And, and that it, starts with a little spiral, doesn't it? And I always like the fact they have to start in the middle of that spiral and then and then just go around, walk around, 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 around yeah. being pursued by. Mad munchkins. Okay. Well, cool. And all right. Uh, after speaking to Mavis, so Mavis, thank you very, very much. Thank you for speaking to us this week. And after speaking to Mavis, I got quite a few staff members in Alveston who started clamoring because they wanted their say and they wanted to talk about their first movie. It seems that yeah, we might have adopted them as a pet ward, but it seems to go both ways in that <laughs> we have now been adopted by them. So next week, which is going to be our 25th show, guys, that's going to be a quarter of a century. Wow. It's almost as old as me. Yeah, I know, movie. I know. <laughs> it's always I'm like a, youth. A, 20, a quarter of a century show. We're going to be having an Alveston Ward staff special where we're going, essentially going to speak to them and find out what all their favorite movies are. And they've promised that they're going to get like a radio and put it in the middle and they're all going to listen to 
uh, they're all going to listen to the shows to hear about like you know what their favorite movies are so it's going to be pretty good i think it's going to be it's going to be a fun week it's going to be a fun week. we've got a couple of fun guys on on alveston which is it's pretty cool there's fun guy in alveston fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, that'd be good we could talk yeah so if there's quite a few of them we could actually talk about the movies they like yeah yeah we'll talk about the movies they like i mean i've uh, i interviewed a couple of them today who are not going to be around next week um Oh yeah, one of them said the first film she ever saw was E.T. Wow. Like yeah, on yeah, on original release and stuff like that. So yeah. Anyway, it is now time for the weakest no, I'm sorry, Joe. <laughs> I am the weakest link. <laughs> Goodbye. Right, okay, so um uh do you think we're gonna have time for four or five clues today? Uh I think four. Four. Okay, in which case, um we'll go with this one. This screen legend accepted his Academy Award in 1964 and dedicated it to two ladies, Audrey Hepburn and Julie Andrews. Audrey Hepburn and Julie Andrews. Yeah. Whoa. Mysterious. Uh, mysterious. It and is. Curious and curious. That's right. So uh, Audrey Hepburn. Uh, I'd like a, a, a... Hello, Haberdasher. I would like a Sir Christopher Plummer, you know. <laughs> It doesn't quite work, does it? I like a plumber, but I'm in the wrong shop. I like a plumber. Hats, though. Is there somebody called the Trilby? Is there a Sir James Trilby? That's right, Mr. John Trilby. (laughs) (laughs) World's least known Academy Award winner. So he would have been about 60 or late 50s at the time of his Academy Award. No, it's more like it. Sir Um, Flatcap. Yes, no, no, it's not. It's not. not So an actor, mature actor. No idea. Uh, but, all right. wore a hat. <laughs> did he get? Did he receive his knighthood for services to film, or was it for something else? Well, I don't think you get an extra extra. Okay, okay, right, fine, fine, okay, fine. Even if you don't want to tell us, you don't tell us. We're just going to carry on. We're going to carry on and wait for the fourth clue. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll actually have space for five clues this week. You never know. Oh, no. No. I didn't take <laughs> that into account. <laughs> I just gave you the best one. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Cool. So um, we have a feature on the show, which we've been doing for a couple of weeks, and it's actually pretty cool and pretty eye-opening, called Isle of Movies, where every week we pick a film that has some connection to the island. So a time when Hollywood brushed the shores of a fair island. And Sharon has been picking these films. And this film, uh, this week, would you like to tell us which film you've picked? Yes, the film I've picked is A Matter of Life and Death. And the link to the Isle of Wight comes through its main star, David Niven. And David Niven spent most of it, well, a large part of his childhood in Benbridge. His family had a home called Rose Cottage in Benbridge. And apparently they owned it between 1919 and 1933. I think they are the dates that I found about it. Yeah. And the, yeah, that, so the Isle of Wight was an influential place as he was growing up. Do we have, so, like, do we have like a blue plaque outside the Rose Cottage nowadays or something? Or? I don't think so. But it'd be nice if there were. Yeah. You know, David Niven once lived here. But yeah, so this is, I thought, looking at his films, and he's got some cracking films, but I thought this one in particular stood out. Okay. So A Matter of Life and Death. So do you want to give us just a brief synopsis of what it's all about? Yeah, it's it opens up with a pilot in a badly shot up Lancaster bomber. He's just returning home from a bombing mission, and he's on the radio talking to, he gets through to this female voice. That's all he hears is this female voice. And he says, look, my crew have bowed out. The ones who are still fit, I got them to bail out. 
everyone else left on board is dead. I'm just trying to get the plane as far enough away from as I can before I bail out. I just want to let you know that this is happening and send a letter to my mother and tell my sisters, you know, that I think of them. And she's her name is June and she's his last link with life. And then he bails out. And this is where the, the matter of life and death comes in. He should have died, but his guardian angel lost him in the heavy fog across in the channel and he gets washed up on a beach and he he meets june the voice that he heard over the radio and they begin their romance and so when his guardian angel finally catches up with him he's had 20 hours on on earth longer than he should have and he should never have met and met or fallen in love with this girl and they say no it's time for you to go now you should go to heaven and they said hang on a minute that's not fair you know it's not fair to me and it's not fair to june I think there should be some sort of trial or some sort of, someone should make a choice whether I go or not. And so he's taken up to heaven on this long winding staircase mm -hmm. that you see him passing all these figures. And they agree, the heavenly courts agree that yes, he has, should have okay, a Okay, okay, hang on a second. Hang a on a second. We have a, we have a clip here. Yeah. We have a clip here and we're going to play this clip from A Matter of Life and Death. So you were talking about him being on the, sta on the so staircase. So can you just explain what's happening on this? Because we hear yeah. two voices in this clip. Yeah, his guardian angel is a French revolutionary type chap. He's a bit of a fop, a bit of an abstract. And he's taken him up on this long escalator and he's passing statues of very famous people known for their judgment and their clear thinking. And he can choose one of them to be his advocate in the heavenly court. Okay, cool. Here we have the clip. What about him? Lincoln. Well, it's hardly fair to drag him in. I don't believe he'd be prejudiced. Plato. How would you like to be defended by Plato? Nobody knew more about reasoning than Plato. He's 81 when he died. He might be too old to think love important. Do you think so? Anyhow, Plato had very elementary ideas about love. Besides, didn't he quote Sophocles when somebody asked him if he was still able to appreciate a woman? What did the old boy say? Well, he said, uh, I'm only too glad to be rid of all that. It's like escaping from bondage to a raving madman. These tricks. Now, if he had been French, Richelieu, for example, irresistible at eighty. How about Richelieu? I never liked him much in Three Musketeers. By the way, why are you so interested in my winning my case? 
<laughs> Peter! So that's him he- heading up to heaven. And to tie it in with Wizard of Oz, on Earth, you, it's in Technicolor. So when he's living his life and he's falling in love, you see it's all in colour and it's romantic and it's beautifully lit where everything slightly fuzzy as they do when things are romantic. So yeah. you're obviously not seeing very clearly. But it's you know, beautiful. And then he goes up to heaven and it's really sharp and crisp, black and white. Yeah. As it's like that judgment. Mm. You know, the matter of life and death, you, this would decide whether you go to heaven or you go back to earth. It's very black and white. And it's black and white. Yeah. And and I, it's very, yeah. yeah because, uh, because I started watching this film earlier today. I, unfortunately, I couldn't finish watching it because I had a radio show to go prepare. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, but it, 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 it did catch me. That was one of the first things I thought. I was like, how Wizard of Oz does that whole Technicolor thing, but the fantasy is Technicolor and everything yeah. like that. And then the real life is so drab and gray. And, and this goes the other way, where it says, yeah. where it says real life is Technicolor and it's wonderful and it's great. And then the fantasy or whatever you want to have is like drab yeah. and gray. The heaven yeah. is the cool and cold. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cold, it's calculated, it's this, that and the other. It's, 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 like, it's all checks and balances and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. It's all very clean lines. All the angels were white, but they're like wearing very sharp 40 suits. So they're of their day. The hair is just so. Yeah. And yeah, it's all particular to its time. But yeah. Yeah, and all the advocates and whoever, people are all in their costume at the time of when they died. So mm. his advocate is an American revolutionary, as we heard. So he's in that coat, his uniform coat. Yeah. And you get the bewigged Regency fops and then you get the people going back in time. Yeah. And so, Sean, have you seen this film? I have seen this film on a couple of occasions when I was younger. Um, really like it. I mean, I like David Niven as an actor anyway. He's so uh, likeable, isn't he? Yeah. I think that's the thing. He's a likeable actor. And and I seem to remember the steps. There's quite a few steps going up, isn't oh, there? Into it's, the, it's, it just it seems to go what, on forever. That was and the then, title, Stairway to Heaven. That was the name in a lot of places. That was the name, was it? I, I, I remember that. And as he goes up and gradually there's a few people he sees on the way and then he meets all characters and they have all have a big debate. And then I think that the girl who's talking to him June. June, yeah. June, 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 June. June. Love you, Kim, June. Kim Hunter. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, Kim Hunter. Yeah, she was in. Was she? Planet of the Apes. Yeah. yeah, she played Zira. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. Anyway, so, <laughs> so that's what she looks like. <laughs> so yeah, Kim Hunter. Um, she was hev- heavily made up in this one, though. <laughs> she was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heavily made up in this one, but she is. She's quite. She's quite beautiful in this one, actually. Yeah. I, I, I think she's she's, she's mm. really really nice looking. But yeah, no, it's one of those. It's one of those nice feel good films. You know, similarly along the veins of the um, your Jimmy Stewart Christmas one, it's a wonderful life. Yeah. That type of that type of. But it balances that feel good and the sadness of it as well. Because there's one scene I thought was really almost got me choked was when 
they, when they realise that he hasn't arrived in heaven, you see his mate who was on his yeah. crew. He's waiting oh. for him and he's sitting there like in waiting. He doesn't want to accept his wings and go into heaven because yeah. he was waiting for his friend. Yeah, his friend. And you see all these air crews. He says, we are in the air crew section, aren't we? Because it's so busy, busy yeah. that they have their own area. Yeah. And then you see all these flight crews appear, yeah, don't yeah, you? Yeah, because th- that's the thing that I, I was talking about, the way, like, when I was talking about lives, lives of a Bengal Lancer, like, you know, the boy's own thing before the war, yeah. and then you have this thing, which is obviously right after the war. Mm. And you have all this, and it's there's this almost acceptance that, this is happening. All these, these young men, men. All yeah. these young men are dying all over the place. That there's the first ones you see that actually come in is like a French guy who's yeah. just like prattling on in French to like an English guy, and the English guy is like, "I understand exactly what you mean, old chap." Kind <laughs> 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 of stuff. And it's and then the Americans all blunt blundering. They're all like grabbing things. Yeah. And- Juggling the other, the other it's way. Like, is, do we have any USO shows up here? No. Good. Then we'll stay. Yeah. <laughs> and it's heartbreaking, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's, you think that's a life loss. Yeah. It's it's heartbreaking because each one of them is a life loss, but it's almost kind of like they just accept the fact yeah. that look, yeah, death is a way of life. That's what happens to us. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Whatever happens next. And in happen. the heavenly court, you see these rank upon rank upon rank of air force men and women mm. waiting to hear the judgment, and they're all in black and white. So you know these are all people who have. Sort of died mm. and it's heartbreaking but then you've got that moment of joy and yeah but but also I haven't finished watching it don't tell me <laughs> right, okay. well you see the life and death balance together and you see there's yeah, joy yeah. in living and there's also joy in yeah. being the so next we've place just completely ruin it for Tozen <laughs> <laughs> oh come, come on, on. Great, I'm going to leave the show I'm just going to go okay that's it I'm, I'm, I'm gonna... <laughs> look out for the rose no bottle. no <laughs> Uh, but it's uh, but I, I also think a, a couple of things. The production designer, I mean, the production design, I think is amazing. Like the staircase yeah. and everything. I just think the film is beautifully designed. Like everything, all the sets and all that. But it's a Powell and Pressburger film. That's what yep, they, they do. That that is what they yeah, do. They did Red Shoes, didn't they? they yeah. Again, it's like a psychedelic fantasy. Black Narcissus, man. That, 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 yeah. that was a, what, a, what a run. This one, Black Narcissus and the Red Shoes. Three in a row. You don't. That's, yeah. That's all brilliant. heightened emotion and yeah. yeah, and I think dizzying. Also, the dialogue. I think the dialogue is brilliant. Like, the way it opens, because the film actually opens up with this shot of space. And it goes, the universe, it's big, isn't it? (laughs) That's how the (laughs) film starts off. And I'm like, that's a confident star. (laughs) (laughs) I guess those Powell Pressburger films and, like, some of the other films was when when we actually had, when England... Great had a film had industry a film, had, had, yeah. a, had a studio yeah. sort of system based yeah. industry was, yeah. were they London films were they different as well was that a different no company? I think this was Rank Rank so it's rank. the one that starts yeah. off it starts off with a big gong at the beginning of the film guy with a gong because yeah. we were talking about this this the other day weren't we Tozin about um, yeah yeah about British film industry and I was saying about two Denim, films. Denim Studios okay. Denim Studios yeah guys we, we got we got like two minutes sorry mate <laughs> we've got like two minutes and we've got to get off here we need to get Sean's it's thing now the other thing is I think Richard Attenborough just pops up randomly yeah. in this yeah, I was, I was, I was thinking <laughs> right. I was thinking yeah Richard Attenborough makes okay. every film better Richard Attenborough he's the, he's the clue yeah, anyway I'm thinking, but I'm, I, I didn't think that anyway. okay last clue uh, as always you sometimes have a, a quote from the legend themselves here we go when I was 10, we moved, and I decided that none of the names I was then called, Reggie, Bobby, Barr, suited me. Somehow, I hit on his name. I must have heard someone calling for their dog and thought it sounded rather nice. My goodness me. <laughs> you know you were talking about tumbleweed earlier? Yeah. <laughs> that's going oh, that's through a, my head. That's the best clue you ever get. <laughs> if you don't get it from that, I will be dev- I will absolutely disappointed in all of you for, forever. Oh. So so he's named I, after a dog. I've basically just told you the answer. Indiana. 
No. <laughs> no. Sir Indiana Jones. He has no. a hat named after him. No. Well, that throws throws my what I, I thought it was. I was thinking. I was trying to think of. It's the hat one that's done it for me. I was sort of thinking. I don't know if Sean Connery was was knighted around about that time. Well, was that I think lots of John Gilgood, lots of Livia. How many dogs Michael you got? Redgrave. Sir Lawrence. I know. What's your dog called, Sir Lawrence? No. Rex, Rex Harrison. He's got it! Oh my oh, god! Oh, god. god. <laughs> well done, man. Well, well done, done. Sean. Well done. Well Rex, done. of course. <laughs> okay, people. Thank you very much for thank joining you, us this week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was a really good one. I would never <laughs> figure that out. <laughs> but now it's obvious, right? There's a Harrison hat or Rex hat? Rex Harrison. You can go to the shop and buy a Rex Harrison. Okay. Anyway. Everybody, thank you so much for joining us this week. We're unfortunately out of time. Until next week, when we have the Alveston Ward staff special and our 25th show, please look after yourself, listen to your doctors, and remember that, as always, they do not make them like they used to. Thanks for joining us today. <laughs>